0: I was lucky enough to have uh, one of my crew members in the pilot program last year. I'm really excited about this program. I'm excited to see it move forward and the other levels, and just wanted to say thanks for all your hard work. This is super awesome and a much needed resource. Hey now, Mountain Crew. Welcome back to the Mountain Podcast. I've been off the feed here for a little bit for a couple reasons. One, winding down the end of this uh, COVID season, as most of the ski areas in the region are now closed. And also my family just added a new baby boy. So that's been keeping me busy as well. But I'm back and we're teeing up a couple episodes with our partner, Oregon State University, to talk about the future of lift maintenance trainings. You're on the mountain. Right all right. So, I feel like we're kind of tailing off here now for these kind of COVID response podcasts and feeling like we might get back into the regular plan here of actually being together in person and talking about what it's like to run a ski area in the Northwest. Cuz you know this podcast is made by and for ski area employees in the Northwest. So, we have this annual operations conference every spring that ski area employees show up to maybe about 500 each year the last few years and do this annual operations conference. Of course, that's not happening. It's already past the time when it would have happened. Not a thing. But we do have this opportunity to continue to feed our brains and pushing ourselves forward in workforce development in this industry. So to do that, we're going to have two episodes uh, back to back here talking with our friends at Oregon State University and the Center for the Outdoor Recreation Economy at Oregon State, which we have partnered with to develop a really cool kind of future forward lift maintenance technical training program. Yeah. Yeah. Been a long time coming. It's been a lot of work and it's here now. You can register right now here at the end of the May uh, for this program to start this summer and get get up to speed on what what it takes to become a level one lift mechanic. And then the future is there for us. It's there for the taking. We can develop all sorts of trainings now through this partnership. Right up top here, though, I do want to really just lay out what the puzzle is that we're all trying to solve nationwide not just here in the northwest these ski lifts have been around for a long time and with them they are ski lift technicians who've been around for a long time and they've amassed quite a a bit of information about how these lifts operate and what you need to do to maintain them and upkeep them and the national ski areas association and their technical services crew and a lot of volunteers and stakeholders have put together just an amazing resource guide. The NSAA's Lift Maintenance Resource Guide has been developed with the intent to help ski areas of all sizes develop and structure training programs for their lift maintenance staff. I'll just read the first paragraph of the guide here. The guide doesn't speak to how maintenance is to be performed. Rather, it outlines the spectrum of knowledge, the skills and abilities that lift maintenance personnel should possess. The Lift Maintenance Training Resource Guide isn't intended to create a standard for operations or to mandate how staff is to be trained or dictate how a ski area should operate. It's a really good set of best practices for what it means to be a level one, level two, or level three lift mechanic. And what we've done is take this guide from the NSAA and Find a partner in coming up with a learning management system and a way to deliver this in a really, I think, future forward online uh, way that also has some hybrid components. So you make sure there are uh, some supervisor hands on uh, things happen at the ski area with the students that you might enroll uh, or if you're an enrolled student. So it's a great thing, this lift maintenance resource guide. And now uh, we're just going to replay a webinar that we had a couple weeks ago. To start off our summer series in lieu of our annual conference being canceled due to COVID, yada, yada, yada. Here it is, the recording of that webinar. And because it's a webinar, that came with, you know, the PowerPoint, the screen share happening. So everybody on this call was looking at something that you can't see in podcast format. But scroll down there into the show notes. You're going to see a link to the PDF of everything that we are looking at. And you're also going to see a bunch of links about how to register to take this training and be on the way to uh, to your career. Here it is. You'll hear more from my studio microphone voice on the other side. Welcome to our first real big webinar of our summer series. Uh, and this is a really impactful one, I think. It's been a lot of work that we've been doing over the last year and even before that, uh, putting this, this thing together. So I really wanna thank the team from Oregon State University for being here and showing us the great thing that they have uh, developed. And I wanna thank our committee at the, on the PNSAA board, um, John Tullis, Hiram Towell, and John McLeod, Uh, who had been part of this foundational work here, and really board members prior uh, to them. This has been an ongoing discussion for several years now, and it's really great to see it all come come together. So we're going to talk about it today. We're going to talk about enrollments and also some ways that we could utilize this type of training platform to do other things. Uh, So I'm really excited about it. Uh, I'll turn it over here to the OSU crew and we'll um, talk about some things. So I'm Jordan Elliott, uh, president of Pacific Northwest Ski Areas Association and on the call uh, with us are, is a team from OSU that uh, maybe I'll let run through uh, each of themselves, introduce themselves.
1: Great, thanks Jordan. Uh, my name is Lee Davis. I'm the executive director of OSU's Center for the Outdoor Recreation Economy. Uh, our mission is to help people get new and better jobs in the outdoor recreation economy nationally through building innovative and accessible trainings in partnership with industry leaders and associations just like Jordan and PNSAA.
2: Hi everyone, my name is Meredith Morris. I'm the industry engagement manager for the Outdoor Recreation Economy Initiative here at Oregon State. Uh, Just a bit about my background. I have about 10 years of professional experience in human resources and talent, uh, mostly working in the athletic and outdoor industries. I've brought that experience here to my role at Oregon State. Um, I'm responsible for for identifying and, and developing strong relationships between the outdoor rec industry and the university, um, finding opportunities to partner on things like research, workforce development, education, um, and other public private partnership opportunities. So um, excited to be here with all of you today to talk about the strong partnership uh, and work that we've done together with Jordan and the PNSAA.
3: Hey, everybody. My name is Daniel Powers. Uh, I'm an instructional designer. Uh, basically, that means I make a lot of media that can go online uh, for online courses like video and audio and interactive stuff, um, 3D modeling, some VR, um, stuff that I'm going to show you a little bit later in this presentation. And I've been with the uh, Center for the Outdoor Recreation Economy for a couple of years now and very happy to be partnering with PNSAA. And um, thank you very much for being here. Thanks for having us.
0: This partnership is a really cool thing that I'm really pretty proud of, uh, the way this has come together. Uh, A lot of you on the call, I I think looking at lists, uh, are aware of the work we've been doing. Some of you have even enrolled some pilot students last year as we developed this program. Uh, But I will, for for people that are new to this, this, the Center for the Outdoor Recreation Economy at Oregon State is a really cool thing. And as they were developing what's becoming the center in their outdoor recreation economy initiative, I was invited to a workshop that they were doing where, they, where Lee and Meredith and his team had, had invited uh, outdoor recreation leaders from across the country to a two-day workshop at OSU Cascades in Bend to talk about how career paths, currently, the current state of career paths uh, had been and th- shortcomings, ways that ways that we need to troubleshoot and come up with you know kind of the new generation of of how you can find a career path in outdoor recreation. Uh and Lee can say it much more eloquently than I can so when he gets into it, he'll, he'll clean up the the fumbling that I just did. Uh but it was a really great retreat to talk about what are our needs and how and how can we solve them. And sitting around at lunch uh during that retreat is where this kind of idea got got on Lee's radar as I was talking about an immediate need that we were working on at the association and then the the momentum just kept going and we formed our our subcommittee within the association and and worked with osu uh put together this pilot program and uh, i think the future is looking real bright for where we're going to go with this uh but i'll I'll let lee jump in here and and talk more about the center for outdoor recreation
1: thanks jordan so as jordan said uh the OSU Center for the Outdoor Recreation Economy was formed initially as OSU's Outdoor Recreation Economy Initiative. So Meredith and I were hired and started working with Danny and and others in 2018. Um, The initiative was a part of uh, what OSU calls its impact studio. So the university is investing in projects that will help to uh, improve the value proposition for higher education in America. So all of you are probably hearing from Students and parents and grandparents about student debt, and about sort of questioning whether getting a college degree is really going to help you get a better job and a better career. And so Um, We were one of those projects that we were launched in the belief that OSU could be a leader in supporting the outdoor recreation economy on a national level and and helping people get jobs, not just through degree programs, but through foreign non-credit certificates and through applied research projects with industry. One of the first things we always have to talk about uh, before we really get into this is what exactly is the outdoor recreation economy. Uh, and the, this is a graphic that Danny uh, built for us actually a couple of years ago that seems to be holding up really well. Um, and you'll see in the middle of it is sort of our public lands and waters. Um, so you know the the foundation of everything in the recreation economy starts with that. So without without the land and the water and the ski slopes and all of that, it's kind of you know hard for us to operate. And then surrounding that are all of the different forms of participation in outdoor recreation. And then the economy itself is built up of uh, private sector, public sector, and non uh, nonprofit sector organizations that support all of those activities. Uh, in the private sector, there's certainly the you know the front facing jobs around. Uh, outfitters and guides and retail staff and, you know, the lift operators and the people that work at concessions and things like that. But then as you all probably know, there are a lot of jobs that are sort of hidden, like ski lift maintenance professionals, uh, manufacturing professionals, and uh, sort of the the private sector industry behind all of that. And then in the public sector, we've got everything from the National Park Service and the Forest Service, who I know a lot of you work with on, on a regular basis, down to, you know, state and local and community economic development entities, state park entities, uh, tribal land management uh, you know, groups and things like that. And then in the nonprofit space, we've got the community organizing groups and activity groups, um, service cores and advocacy and trade organizations like PNSAA. So that's, so it's a pretty broad group. It's 2.2% of GDP, 5 million jobs. It represents, like in Oregon alone, for example, it's one in every 23 jobs in the state. So It's a big economy and there's a lot of opportunity. So, um, one of the background things here before I hand it off to Meredith is when we first did those meetings in 2018 with Jordan, we were looking to understand what the problems were that this economy was facing and um, And uh, and we keyed in on a few things. One of them was a real urgency for knowledge transfer. And this program is directly pointed at that. So we know that a lot of the people that have traditionally maintained our sea lifts over time are retiring out. Um, and there's a, a real sense of urgency around bringing people into those jobs. Um, and similarly similarly, also to this program is the need for a lot of really specialized technical trainings. So, um, you know generalists have trouble uh, addressing all the issues because our technologies are getting so incredibly complicated and intricate um, and then a third one is uh, increased leadership expectations from all employees across the board so there's a there's a general expectation from uh, business people and from customers that everybody you interact with is going to have really good communication skills and really good interpersonal skills and you know, uh, be able to navigate, um, you know, leadership and management pretty smoothly. So, so there's a lot, a lot to be done on that space. Um, And the work that we've done with Jordan and PNSAA and with uh, several of the ski resorts that work within PNSAA like Mount Mount Bachelor, um, really helped us to build this program out. And now I'm going to hand it off to Meredith to describe the program.
2: So I want to talk a little bit um, about this training specifically. So as Jordan mentioned, uh, we started conversations with Jordan and PNSA a couple of years ago at this workshop that we held, and really wanting to answer the question around how our initiative could best support the ski resort industry. Um, At that same time, the National Ski Areas Association had just released their new lift maintenance training resource guide. And we saw that guide as a really great foundation to um, build a training for all ski resorts um, to train ski lift techs here in the Pacific Northwest. It was a a really great opportunity to um, build a training that could, one, alleviate resorts from having to build their own trainings and also do it in a way that allowed for flexibility so that we could complement existing on-the-job trainings that were already there and also incorporate any trainings that may be needed for techs to know how to operate um, the lifts at their specific resorts. Um, So last year in 2020, we developed, ran, and evaluated a level one lift lift maintenance technician training. Um, Early that year was dedicated to program development. um, And as I mentioned, we used NSAA's uh, lift Maintenance Resource Training Guide as a foundational framework to build our training. We also um, partnered with Selkirk College in Canada. They had published a textbook and also run an on-site lift tech program. Uh, they ended up being a pivotal partner for us last year and will continue to be a strong collaborator for us as we look to build out levels uh, two and three. And um, additionally, we also have the backing of uh, of the university. So we leaned on faculty from our College of Engineering to support in the design and development of the program. Um, So once the program was developed, we ran a three-month pilot program. That program ran from August um, through November and had a cohort of 16 employees that um, participated in the pilot program. Uh, These were employees from multiple resorts across Oregon, uh, Washington, and Alaska, um, and um, were able to lean on expertise uh, from multiple resorts as well um, to support in um, uh, industry expert sessions. So the cohort of 16 um, in the pilot program, uh, what they did is they completed seven online modules, each with knowledge checks. Um, They participated in on-site assessments with supervisor checklists. They also um, had access to industry expert sessions that were uh, held as live webinars and also recorded as a later resource. And then the pilot program ended with a, a final exam because this was pilot year we also um, um, had had asked students and the supervisors who were involved to complete a formal evaluation with us to really understand how we could better improve the program um, in its next year um, we got really great feedback from the pilot group that um, all really had uh, positive impressions of the program and also emphasized the need for this type of training uh, which was reassuring to hear um, they also provided really great Great feedback for us to incorporate uh, in the revised and fully developed training we're hoping we're, we will be launching this year. Um, so let's talk a little bit more about this year's training. Um, this next the next couple of slides here talk about uh, trainings. Um, uh, learning outcomes, curriculum areas, uh, talk want to talk a little bit more about the on-site assessment and the ideal student. Um, so this year we will be running another three-month training program. It will have a really similar um, look and feel to pilot year in that it will have online courses. There will be seven modules again, and each module will be released every two to three years. It'll have industry expert webinars, on-site assessments, and knowledge checks, and also a final exam at the end. Um, At the end of the training and the coursework, this slide here talks about uh, the learning outcomes. And uh, each student should be able to, at the end of the training, identify major components of lift structures, describe the mechanical movement and processes of ski lift functionality, and define and discuss the safety aspects of components of proper ski lift operations and mechanics. There's a big emphasis on safety in in level one um, that you would see in in the training and the program. Meredith,
3: sorry to interrupt. Those the modules uh, will be released every two to three weeks, not every two to three years. Sorry about that.
2: Oh, thanks, Danny. Yeah, everyone's (laughs) like. Three months over the course of a decade. What? Um, Thank you. Yeah, every two to three weeks. Next slide uh, talks a little bit about the curriculum areas. So this training meets um, uh, the requirements for a level one lift maintenance tech. They'll be able to remember, understand, and apply all of these terms and concepts listed here um, and be able to perform that uh, under the supervision of a more experienced lift maintenance technician. So with that i'm going to hand it over to Jordan, um, if you wouldn't mind talking a little bit about the on site assessment uh, piece, and also the ideal student.
0: yeah great thanks Meredith uh, so the supervisor checklist on on site assessment piece is, is really important, we spent a lot of time talking about it as we we're developing this. Uh, because we definitely know it's it's not just book work. It's not just getting online and completing the modules and, and then you can show up and say, look, I completed this thing. Now give me my promotion uh, or hire me in this position. There's definitely the need for that on-site leader to know uh, that this person, aside from knowing the, the knowledge base, also has experience, has the work on the ground, uh, knows the flow of the resort's operation and there definitely are some nuances there uh, from mountain to mountain. so this this uh, on-site supervisor assessment is a really important piece to that for you to as a as a supervisor and someone who's sponsored and enrolled one of your employees uh, into this program to help guide them along the way. And this really isn't a departure from what you've already been doing. You've already had some sort of checklist, at your mountain that's helped you guide your staff up through the ranks in lift maintenance. And this is just a, that same type of thing, except now we have some shared language. We now have some commonality that's all tied back to the Lift Maintenance Resource Guide that National Ski Areas uh, developed. So it's it's a really great thing. It's really important. And it's something that probably could change over time too. So as you enroll students and people are going through this and you see something that you've had traditionally on your supervisor uh, checklist that maybe isn't included in this, we want to know about those things. So we want to see if there's something that's missing that we can add to these. And especially as we look toward the future of potentially adding level two, level three, even adding other areas from the ski area uh, outside of lift maintenance. It's a really important piece that really helps you ensure it's not just a knowledge base from from going through the material but it's actual at the ski area experience is a big, big part of it. So that is there for you, Um, and once your students get enrolled in that part of their you know what they're seeing on the screens through their profile they'll be able to print these out they'll be able to get them to you. Uh, So make sure that's that's part of what you're doing as you get people enrolled there is to have access to this. And then as far as uh, the ideal students, it, it doesn't differ greatly this this program from what you've already been doing, but it, it is really important to note how, how you've promoted people, how you've identified what you want in a lift maintenance candidate in the past. And internally, we know there's a lot of lift operators who've come through and you know served their time operating for a year and uh, really liked the machinery uh, and liked the, the maintenance crews and, and that kind of career path. And so you've promoted from within, maybe you've pulled them into a summer work chair, maybe they get a lead position, maybe they're helping do early morning startup, however you have identified some of those uh, key people to move up into a lift maintenance apprentice or assistant type program. Well, great, you've already been doing that, and this complements that. This really just is now a thing that you can give them and say, great, I want you to be part of our lift maintenance team too, and here's step one. Uh, it's it's a really great thing. So that internal candidate who could be a lifty, could be someone in vehicle maintenance, anybody with kind of mechanical aptitude and someone that you think, hey, this could be a really good fit. Uh, And then beyond that, where we're still trying to solve for this is uh, recruiting from without also. So in my mind, I think uh, veterans that may be coming with some mechanical aptitude and looking to rejoin the private sector workforce uh, after they get out of the service, this could be a really, really impactful thing there. Um, and anybody else who's got that mechanical aptitude has a, kind of a high risk tolerance to not only, you know, turn the wrench and do those things, but do it on top of a lift tower in a storm or in the rain or whatever you guys know how that goes. So that's, that's something we've definitely kept in mind also, but tying that back to the onsite assessments is you're still going to need a way for you to, to judge how you're building your team and do they have you know, experience in the area. Uh, beyond just the knowledge base. So this should combine that, but really think about if you don't already have people in your lift uh, maintenance assistance program who are current staff members or over this last winter, which I know is really challenging for everybody, um, saw some up and coming lift operators or vehicle mechanics or anything like that. Now you have something for them and and that's what we're kind of considering the ideal student.
2: Thanks Jordan. Um, in case I completely confused you earlier with modules being released every two to three years, this timeline should help clear things up. Um, so this is the timeline for the 2021 program. Uh, registration is now open um, and will be open until the, court, the program starts. Um, orientation week for the level one training is the week of June 14th. Uh, and that is a, a couple hours online orientation with our program team, just to make sure that the the cohort um, understands the online platform for its coursework um, and and gets a sense of how to apply the uh, uh, on-site assessments and also how to get access to all the industry expert sessions that would be available. Um, After orientation, that's when modules will start to be released, uh, and we'll actually be starting with a course that uh, what we call 4101, which is Foundations of the Outdoor Recreation Economy 101 course. Uh, This is an introductory course, um, online course, that um, basically walks through, walks the learner through the industry's history and current trends, talks about things like its economic significance, its benefits to the economy, health, and in community engagement, um, and explores just a number of topics from conservation and stewardship values to this industry's relationship to the environment, public land, social justice, and public policy. We we believe that this course is really important for anyone taking um, any of our trainings here at Oregon State. An an understanding of um, this economy at a fundamental level can be highly beneficial to anyone, even in your day-to-day. So that course will be available uh, online starting in June and will be available to all students throughout the three-month training. Um, and, and then um, course modules will start to, to open from there. June starts with module zero through two. There will be an industry uh, expert webinar and a couple of supervisor check-ins to match those modules. Modules three to five will open in July with associated webinars and supervisor checklists. And then August will wrap up with six and seven. And their webinars and checklists as well. And this final exam will happen in September. So that's the, that's the timeline here for the ski lift technician training for this year. The cost for this training is $1,000. Um, and that includes everything for um, your access to all online coursework, um, access to the industry expert sessions, everything you need for on-site assessments, um, and then also just general support from the program team here at Oregon State. Um, uh, this can be um, paid for either by the student or um, what tended to most likely happen and happened in pilot year last year is that resorts will sponsor their employees to go through uh, these trainings to alleviate that cost burden uh, on the student. Okay, Uh, so uh, I
3: have the... distinct pleasure to give you a a brief overview of the course, see what it looks like and um, what the experience is going to be like for the student. Um, Before I jump in, I just wanted to reiterate um, that that we have we owe a great a debt of gratitude to the PNSAA and the NSAA um, and Selkirk um, and the College of Engineering for tremendous amounts of help um, putting this entire thing together. So I just want to acknowledge it's not just me and Lee and Meredith and, and Jordan. There was a great um, and amazing supportive team that helped put all these, these items together. Uh, what you're seeing on the screen right now is, a, is a, just a couple screenshots of uh, what it looks like. Um, from videos and some of the uh, course uh, elements. All right, so this is uh, what's called an LMS. It's, it's um, a learning management system. When a student logs into the class, this is like their home page of this particular class that they see. Uh, we've modeled it after an actual um, resort map, because people are, are really uh, probably already know their way around this, this type of map, but students can uh, select one of these areas and they select them in turn, so um, clicking on one of them will open up an actual uh, little area that gives a lot of context, uh, gives a sense of place to this specific module. Um, And each one of them is a stylized version of that. Um, And the reason we do this is we we couch these experiences within a place to give context to all the content that's in there versus, for example, just reading a textbook and it's chapter one, chapter two, chapter three. These modules um, are are highly stylized for a specific reason. And that is to give context uh, to the content itself. Um, so they, the student can also just jump ahead to a table of contents, which is a list of links of all the modules, and you'll see here, this is, this is every topic that is covered uh, within the training. So the, they, they can't jump ahead to Module 2 without completing Module 1, but they can see the upcoming topics. And you'll also see right here, this is the supervisor checklist that uh, Jordan was referring to earlier. They can show it on the screen or they can download it uh, very easily for their, to be printed out for their supervisors to take a look at and to sign. Um, so I wanna show you what a lesson looks like or, or what it looks like for a student who's, who's moving through this content. Um, if they were to go into, for instance, let's jump into module one, and they were to uh, go ahead and jump into module one, then they'll see a, a blurb of of the uh, a description of the module itself. Uh, they can also download a PDF if they would prefer to to print it off and take it, you know, um, um, in the van or something if they, they get up early or, or they they uh, take a van into work or something. They just want something hard copy to print out. But let me show you what it looks like when they actually click into a lesson. Um, I'm going to go into 1.1, the basics here. Oh, and I also want to point out that uh, when we send out the recording of this webinar, we're also going to be sending out a link to this um, this entire module, the basics here, uh, for free. Uh, and that'll be uh, that'll that'll give everyone a really good idea of what what it looks like when a student is actually going through this lesson. And what you see on the screen right here is what is what the student will see. So it's laid out kind of like a, um, an online magazine. It's very uh, stylized and polished. There are going to be um, a lot of uh, reference pictures and diagrams and interactive components. I'll show you a few of those. Uh, but this is just to give you an idea of what the student will see. I also want to point out whether they're on a desktop uh, or a tablet or a phone, Um, everybody these days uh, is is accessing the Internet through their device. Um, And these lessons are entirely device responsive, so this is what it would look like on a tablet. We've also got um, embedded interactives here that they can click through. Uh, This one is uh, learning about different parts of the prime mover that they can they can click through. This is what it looks like uh, on a phone as well. So you can see that it's entirely uh, device responsive, which is very important these days because not everybody's going to be sitting down at a computer to take take these uh, trainings. In fact, I would say most are not. Um, Throughout each of these lessons, there are going to be knowledge checks that they have to uh, pass before they can move ahead. Uh, The rotary mechanical force that turns and drives the bull wheel I think that's the drive motor. Yes. Okay. So uh, this, right. gives <laughs> this gives you this gives you. I would hope after a year of developing this that I would know the drive motor. Uh, this gives you a good idea of, of what the uh, the lesson itself looks like. I'm going to jump back over to a different one that I had a lot of fun um, building, which was the uh, the shiv assembly one. it's, it's probably my favorite. Um, We have a lot of, like I said, interactivity throughout uh, that students can, let me click on preview, that students can actually look at a diagram or um, uh, look at a component, for instance, of a SHIV assembly. of the hub and flange and they can zoom in and get a really good look at uh, what these different components are. And they're not just uh, static pictures like those are, uh, jumping ahead just a little bit. Uh, we are we are also getting deep into 3D modeling and some VR AR that is augmented reality. Um, this is a SHIB, this is a flange assembly and they can actually drag it around, they can zoom in and move it around um, and see exactly what these different components look like. We're working on uh, labeling each of these so if you can imagine the student would actually just hover their mouse over this it would tell them exactly what that component is. Uh, We're doing this as well. I've actually got this open in another screen um, and we are working with an entire uh, tower model that's doing the same thing. Uh, it's highly detailed and um, the student can actually just move it around, scale it to different proportions and, and take a look at these components uh, very close up. And of course, we have uh, we have kind of test your knowledge interactives to see uh, all the different components. Um, for instance, in this Shiv assembly, that they can click through and make sure that they know all the components of Um, and we're working on more and more interactives every week to add to this to make it to to make it more interactive so that again they're not just reading a textbook. Um, Last thing I wanted to go actually second to last thing, we also have some uh, VR we we were going to do a lot more of these uh before the shutdown before COVID happened Um, so as soon as things open back up we're going to be taking a lot more 360 video and 360 pictures but this is actually a component of the course where students can look around in a shop we also have one uh, where they can look around in a a drive terminal and see different components and hear about uh, the ways different things work but um, using a phone they can, they can open this on a phone and just look around with their phone so they're not actually just clicking and dragging with their mouse. Um, so it's, it's space responsive in that way. Uh, and the last thing that I wanted to show you for this class is if anybody at the beginning of this presentation, there was a notice to, uh, if you wanted to download the Zapper app, if you open that app right now and um, aim it at the screen, it'll actually open up a, a, a carrier terminal and that carrier terminal can be placed anywhere in your environment on a flat surface. Um, so again, scan the code and look around, find a flat surface in your room and you can place that carrier terminal and you can uh, move around it move in and out. It, it, this is augmented reality where it places a this component in your actual physical space um, and you can move around it physically with your phone, make it a little bit more real. Um, to show you what this looks like, there's not really a good way for me to, to show my, my phone's screen while doing this. So um, this is basically what would be placed in your living room or in your office right now. Um, this is, uh, the the carrier and terminal uh, that will be projected into your physical space and you can walk around it and and look at it really closely. And we're working on a lot more models like this and again, labeled models that students will um, be able to move around in physical space and really get a good idea of what these components look like without actually stopping the lift and getting up close or getting up on the ladder or something like that. Um, So these are all these different types of media forward elements that we're, we're putting into the class um, that we're really excited about and and excited to get the students um, looking at and experiencing themselves. So that's my spiel. Uh, And with that, I'm going to turn it over to, uh, to Meredith again, and we'll talk about enrollment.
2: Awesome. Thanks, Danny. Um, so uh, this uh, slide here just talks a little bit about how to enroll. As I mentioned, registration is now open. Um, we're hoping to have another cohort this year of around 15 to 20 students, uh, but there's definitely more openings for that. We can we can run multiple cohorts through through the training this year. Um, if you are interested in learning more about the program, you can scan this QR code here on the uh, on the slide, and that'll take you to our website to learn more about the program and provides more information about how to enroll and how to register. Um, And of course, if you have any questions, uh, we can certainly answer them during the Q&A today and our email is available here if you want to get in touch with our program team directly. And I think with that, I'm going to hand it back over to Lee. Cool.
1: Thanks, Meredith. Appreciate all of that. Thanks, Danny, for the wonderful demo. So uh, the next thing here um, that we wanted to just sort of generally describe is the, the future of our work uh, at OSU and why we're doing this. Um, the, as I said earlier, the, the belief uh, from the university and from our industry partners is that OSU is in a position to be a national leader in supporting the outdoor recreation economy uh, with comprehensive workforce development solutions and applied research. The, the reason for that is that uh, OSU in the 20th century did a really good job of helping people get jobs in the outdoors through its College of Forestry and through a variety of other programs. Um, and OSU in terms of degrees already has more programs pointed at this economy than any other university in the country. We also have um, you know, a really strong capacity as you've seen from Danny's work to generate engaging and interesting online training uh, you know, modules and activities, Um, you know, and I think we're all, uh, we've all been waiting for online learning to get to a point where it's actually enjoyable to get through some of the stuff we've been building is really fun to engage with. So uh, one of the principles that's been mentioned throughout that I think I want to, I want to reiterate is that everything we build is uh, education programs that create blended value. So, and what that means is we're reaching out to Private sector experts uh, and subject matter experts. So we're reaching out to existing, um, you know, employees at ski resorts at Mount Bachelor and, and across the Pacific Northwest. Reaching out to Jordan and to the NSAA and to even you know people in Selkirk, Canada, to ensure that the programs we build um, are you know are relevant and credible and uh, backed up by industry and, and then we're also uh, pulling in the expertise of engineering faculty to make sure that you know, the science and methodology and thinking uh, framework around all of this work is accurate and holistic. So we think that those, those two things coming to bed together are going to build some of the best programs um, that, that can be built. Um, and, uh, and really sort of set everybody up to be successful in their future jobs. Our sort of go-to-market strategy, the way that we're approaching uh, accomplishing our goal of supporting the rec economy is to work through associations just like PNSAA. So um, so as we, um, you know, as we go out into the world, we, um, we work with these associations to understand what are your real problems? What are your workforce needs? How can we work with you on program development opportunities to support marketing, to support enrollment in classes, to, you know, and even to do research projects? So so that's sort of our our why we're here and how we're doing our work. Um, Meredith talked a little bit about scholarships earlier in the you know in the presentation here which is one of the ways that you can get involved so whether you're a staff person working at a resort whether you're the leader of a resort or a potential student wanting to take this class there's different ways you can get involved the first and simplest is to either directly take a course like this one or um, facilitate one of the employees or potential employees that you have in and around your resort to take this course so they can uplevel their skills and and move up in the career ladder at your resort. Uh, The second is the scholarship opportunity. So whether it's providing scholarships for people uh, in and around your local community or region to take this course um, or generally to support the scholarships of so that all people can have access to these trainings and other trainings that we offer through the through the center. Those are opportunities. The the bigger level stuff is sort of usually the domain of large companies, large resorts and associations, which is Partnering with us on program development, so we partnered with Jordan to build this program. Um, you know, but we also partnered with um, you know people at some ski resorts to get some of the filming done for the modules, and you know to uh, look over the content and make sure that it was accurate, and even things like the checklist. So, um, so there's opportunities to support us around program development, and then. Um, Uh, There's a sort of a category of sponsorship opportunities. If you're running a business and you want to help promote the outdoor recreation economy, help promote the ski resort industry, help promote the idea that these are real jobs and people should be inspired and desire to work in this industry, uh, sponsoring our programs and our center is a way to do that, uh, and we'd love to talk to you about that. And then the final thing is, if your organization or your association has a big problem, like uh, when we met Jordan, the big problem was that uh, a lot of the people in the country that have been maintaining ski lifts are retiring really quickly. And so we need to hurry to upskill people to fill those roles. So, But there are a variety of other uh, issues that come up and uh, we also have the capacity to bring researchers and grad students to bear to uh, you know, to look at those problems and try to design really effective solutions to those problems.
0: Yeah, thanks, Lee. Um, yeah. You know, I'm monitoring the chat here in case anybody throws some questions in there, and you guys can, of course, just throw your questions out here. But I can probably talk uh, pretty long-winded <laughs> a little bit, so I'll try to to temper myself there. But this, as Lee was just saying, a future developing future um, programs is what's kind of next on our radar for this. We're feeling really good about this level one thing and we need to understand what level two looks like, what level three looks like. We know those are hard Um, when we get to level three, it's so much on the ground, not looking at a screen type stuff. So we're we're really trying to figure out what does that look like uh, to continue that, but not only um, in lift maintenance. Uh, the committee at the board level has definitely said, where else can we do this in rentals and guest services in overall resort operations, it'd be really good to expand these sorts of things. And I think we have the energy and the interest to do that, but it will take a, a working committee and some re-engagement from the membership to help identify those things and then and, I, and create it. Uh, so more of that will be coming uh, later in the summer about what these this committee work will look like to develop those sorts of things. Um, and, I, and I want to talk about this foundations of the outdoor recreation economy um, kind of elective portion of this, also that you saw uh, up there up front as Meredith was running this down. I think it's a, it's a great thing to have that broader perspective of how, as a lift mechanic, you have a role in the economy of our region and the economy of the country and what that looks like. Uh, that's really a macro level thing. Think about it in kind of a the micro level at your ski area. Uh, as I've been a, a lift operations manager and an HR director at a large ski area, when, when I know that that people have that perspective, when staff members have that perspective of what else is going on the re, around the resort that isn't directly related to my job, but there's a connectedness and an influence there, that's a really great thing to see. And it makes you a more efficient and and just you know a harder driving company. If you have a, a parking lot person who knows what the parking situation looks like and on any day there's some hiccup that happened and they know now that's going to create a backup in rentals. And then the rental techs know that, oh, this might be a problem for a ski school lineup because now this person's a half hour late on getting their gear or whatever. And they see those kind of trickle effects. Uh, th- that's what I've been thinking about as the micro level, as it relates to the macro of this foundations of outdoor recreation economy. So I think it's a really cool thing that it is really relatable to what, to what we have going on in these ski areas. So, like I said, I can be really long-winded about that, Uh, but registration is open and and we need to get people in this course now so we can help, you know, standardize our language and and develop this workforce across the industry. Uh, Does anybody have a question uh, in the chat or anybody out there that wants to chime in on anything like this? To start off the question and comment period, we had an unexpected guest from
4: north of the border. My name is Wayne Wiltsey. I'm the director of lift maintenance at Worcester Black Hole. First off, you know this looks fantastic, and it's great to see um, your alignment with the NSAA and the NSAA program. Um, you know, I've done a lot of work with Selkirk College, and it's it's great to see that um, you're able to take advantage of the work that they've done to date. Um, one question is: I had talked to them last year or the year before, just about updating are new manuals with the regulation section for the ansi b77 um, and i think there was bandwidth for them to do that if there was demand it looks great I, you know the zapper app was kind of cool uh, and, uh you know i like the work you're doing and, and if you if you're in the area and you'd like to do some going or or chat with some of our people you know we're we're here as well so um there are those opportunities too but uh job so far. I mean, that looks awesome.
1: Thanks. Thanks. We'd love to get your input on on this if you're if you have time to maybe look at it a little more deeply. We had absolutely had some, some people like with your level of expertise sort of dig in and do like a comprehensive review. And, and you know, there's no rush or urgency around it. But but that kind of thing is really helpful to us to to feel good about the program. Danny actually lives on Vashon Island, so he's not terribly far away from from where you're at. So. Yeah, yeah, I, I can speak
3: it. to the the ANSI thing. Um the, I can I have the entire set of, of the newest Selkirk books and um it is uh, the uh, uh Canadian uh reg- yes. the the regs. Uh so ANSI is not in there, but but okay. our yeah, our um training does have the the necessary ANSI ranks throughout. Oh, no,
4: absolutely. And, and you know, the, the Canadian and the American, you know, the CSA and the ANSI code are fairly well aligned. And and I don't think it would be a lot of work to produce the third volume of their text mm. other than having it in in CSA Z98, it would just be ANSI B77, um, which would work perfect. And I think that's the way they've laid their text out now, um, which is good.
0: All right, let's pop back down into Washington and hear a little bit from Stevens Pass.
3: Hi, yeah, I'm excited.
0: Um, I'm excited for round two. I was lucky enough to have uh, one of my crew members in the pilot program last year. Mm -hmm. And so that was really exciting. He really enjoyed the class. He got a lot out of it. Yeah, we're, we're excited. I'm signing up another person. I've been in the process for a little bit, but he's getting signed up today. So yeah, I'm really excited about this program. I'm excited to see it move forward and the other levels. And just wanted to say thanks for all your hard work. This is super awesome and a
3: much needed resource.
0: Cool. Thank you. And finally, one more from someone who just took the reins at White Pass. Um, But Ricky, thanks for turning your camera on there. The uh, new general manager at White Pass.
2: Hey, thanks. Yeah, I guess I'll just introduce myself briefly. I'm dropping my kindergartner off at school for testing. So I was trying to uh, just listen while talking, while walking, but um this seems like a great program and uh, I'm excited to hopefully take it myself. So
0: get your folks registered, um, pass the word on. Definitely. Uh, if you're an association member, please, uh, you know, be the cheerleader for this. This is a really great thing. that has been a long time coming. So pass it on, drive some enrollment. Think about how we can get this going in other areas. Look for maybe a podcast episode about this coming out uh, whenever I can get to editing it also uh, so you can hear more of my voice and, and Danny's voice there also. Yeah, that's, that's all for me. Thanks. Thanks everybody. All right. All right. So that was it. That was your recap of, this new lift maintenance technical training that our association has partnered with oregon state university's center for the outdoor recreation economy to get it done that was technicalities about it a little bit uh also registration you can go to oregon state's website you can hit the pnsaa.org website for more information Uh, and get signed up uh, if you're interested in becoming a level one lift mechanic. The next episode, we're going to consider a companion to this episode, because if you remember that voice, back, you know, a few minutes ago, Daniel Powers. My name is Daniel Powers, the instructional designer who built the dang thing. I've got a whole hour teed up of a really fun conversation with Danny, his crazy background through Germany, through his whole life experience, and how he got to be an instructional designer and create this just beautiful thing that he's done here. So uh, hit that one next. I don't have a chairlift thought for you this time. Uh, All of my extra brain power has been going to the diaper changing in the middle of the nighting uh, with this new little kid, which has been great. But please make sure you hit that subscribe button. Make sure you tell a friend, uh, one of your coworkers there at the ski resort, someone you worked with this past winter or someone you're looking forward to working with going into this summer. Uh, If you have summer operations at your ski area, if you're not at the ski area this summer and you're on your way to your summer job. Yeah, this is a great thing to listen to. Go check some of the back episodes. Hit me up podcast at PNSAA.org. If you would like to be part of this and that's what we'll do. We'll see you next time on the mountain. Coggy Foggle! <laughs>